0: K-Squid listeners, it's every other Sunday again, and you're listening to Sustainability Now, a bi-weekly K-Squid radio show focused on environment, sustainability, and social justice in the Monterey Bay region, California, and the world. And I'm your host, Ronnie Lipschitz. The Monterey Bay region is one of the premier agricultural sites in California, if not the world, and it is home to a considerable amount of non-organic production. To maintain essential nitrogen levels in the soil, non-organic farmers apply substantial quantities of synthetic fertilizer, which feeds the plants but is also transformed into nitrates, which contaminate drinking water wells and can cause a blood disease known as blue baby syndrome, cancer, and birth defects. Today, Sustainability Now welcomes back Chelsea Tu, executive director of Monterey Waterkeeper, who's going to tell us about the organization's recent efforts to reduce nitrate pollution in the region's groundwater, and a lawsuit filed in October uh, trying to overturn a rule by the state water board about the problem of nitrate contamination. Chelsea has worked as an attorney at the Center on Race, Poverty, and the Environment, Uh, public advocates, and the Center for Biological Diversity, and has received her law degree from the American University Washington College of Law. Chelsea too, welcome back to Sustainability Now.
1: It's an honor to be back. Thank you for having me back on the show.
0: Some of our listeners might recall your earlier appearance on Sustainability Now, but for those who don't, let's begin by having you tell us about Monterey Waterkeeper and its missions, issues, and goals.
1: Sure, uh, so Monterey Waterkeeper is a 501c nonprofit and our goal is to protect and restore drinkable, fishable and swimmable waters, swimmable waters for all in the Monterey area and in the northern central coast. So our work on clean water covers essentially Monterey County, Santa Cruz County as well as San Benito County um, and we use a combination of outdoor education, policy advocacy, and when necessary, litigation to protect clean water for everyone, um, from drinking water to clean rivers to a thriving ocean that sustains all of the marine life that we depend on and we love.
0: And what's your role as executive director?
1: Well... As an executive director, I do a little bit of everything. Um, I started uh, my role as executive director uh, back in July 2022, Mm -hmm. a little before I first joined the show, and um, and my role really was to restart the organization. And I say restart because prior to that, the organization was actually called Monterey Coast Keeper. And Monterey Coast Keeper used to be part of uh, another nonprofit called the Otter Project, and um, I feel really fortunate to be spearheading this renewed organization that's now Monterey C- Waterkeeper. And um, it, you know, it, as I mentioned, it does outdoor education and advocacy, and both of these um, ways to protect the environment really is so personal to me, um, and. Uh, if I could share a little bit about my background.
0: Sure, go ahead. Uh,
1: I grew up low income. Uh, my family and I moved here to the United States from Taiwan when I was 10 years old. Um, and although uh, we're uh, an outdoor family, I uh, grew up camping, hiking, and fishing with my parents. It, it really wasn't until I was Um, in the sixth grade here in the United States where I went on my first outdoor education trip with my class that I realized that you can actually make a living um, sharing about the wonders of nature with people. And Mm. so, you know, I think it's really through these outdoor experiences that, you know, whether we're adults or children that we grow and Grow to know nature and learn to love nature mm-hmm. um, because we don't protect something, um, you know, just because we protect something because we love it. Yep. And so because of my love for nature, I decided then um, to pursue a degree in environmental science for undergrad and then also um, went into law. Wanting to be an environmental attorney, and um, and since graduating, I've had the privilege of working to protect the environmental health of low-income communities and communities of color, just like my family, for the past ten years, and it's been it's been a privilege.
0: How's your first year and a half at the uh, Monterey Waterkeeper go? Gone? How's <laughs> it been, been? It's
1: it's been a whirlwind. I um, uh, on the professional and personal level, I feel like I've grown. A thousand times, um, i I was the first staff member uh, of the newly formed organization, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so I, um, you know, it's been a, a great learning experience. Um, you know, from structuring the organization to creating a bank account to um, really talking to a lot of people and. Santa Cruz, San Benito, Monterey County—about what kinds of water issues they're facing—and it's it's been really an honor, really, especially listening to the more underserved communities out there, um, predominantly lower-income communities, uh, Latinx communities, really talk about you know the, their inability to access clean drinking water. We are so fortunate here. Um, in the Central Coast to have clean air. Um, and for, for the most part, if we live in a city, we have clean water. Um, but that's not the case for everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of rural communities, um, especially the underserved communities that I was talking about, don't actually have access to safe drinking water. Um, and the the rivers, you know, like the Pajaro River and the Salinas River that run in their backyards are not clean. Um, and they may not even have the resources to be able to just hop onto the coast because they live um, more inland and they don't live next to the ocean.
0: Right, so why don't you tell us about this problem of nitrate contamination in groundwater? What it is, who causes it, why it happens?
1: Yeah, um, so uh, as you mentioned earlier, Ronnie, nitrate is a broken down product of uh, fertilizer and there are natural fertilizers and then there are uh, different kinds of synthetic fertilizers, nitrogen fertilizer, which is heavy on nitrogen, being one of them, um, and natural fertilizers, you know, have organic matter like compost, and so, uh, so since I guess the story kind of goes back to uh, the 1950s, post World War II, when synthetic fertilizer was you know, being manufactured and commercialized for agriculture, um, and since 1950s, it's really. Our use of synthetic nitrogen fertilizer has like blown up, um, like four to five fold in the United States, and five times I'm in the United States. I'm surprised it's not more, but okay. right. <laughs> and in, in the Central Coast, um, just kind of to, to provide some context for the Central Coast where we are, growers today um, on average discharge 340 pounds. Per acre, um, uh, uh, per year of nitrate into our waters, and 340 pounds is actually 10 times the amount that uh, is necessary to protect our waters.
0: I'm curious. Do you know, you know, how much uh, fertilizer they apply per acre? I'm just wondering what's the loss, because, you know, as we know, uh, the the nitrogen's applied for plants, which require it and can't just pull it out of the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So what's the, what, do you know what the loss rate is, you know, compared to how much there is? You know, is it like 90%? Is it 50%? Uh,
1: yeah, so uh, d- depending on the crop grown, you could be applying a lot of nitrogen, uh, like for broccoli, you no, know, broccoli needs a lot of nitrogen. Or for wine grapes, uh, they need less nitrogen. So. Growers can apply you know any anywhere from tens of pounds, like fifty pounds per acre per year of nitrogen on their fields, to five hundred pounds of nitrogen per year. And then the in terms of loss, uh, studies show that uh, about half of what you apply is lost into the waters, wow. and then a little bit is lost into the air.
0: Wow, um, that's that's extraordinary.
1: Yeah, and. <laughs> Um, so and so, you know, crops need fertilizers. We we uh, and to grow, and we need food. Uh, but the problem in around the world and in the central coast is that a lot of farmers do overuse fertilizer for for various reasons, um, and that really. Um, you know, over time has resulted in what I call a nitrate crisis. And, you know, too much nitrogen, not only in the soil but also in our rivers and as well as in our drinking water. And our drinking water, um, many people might know, comes from groundwater. And so nitrate leaches into groundwater and ends up in our drinking water when we draw it back up.
0: Now, this is mostly for people who rely on wells for their drinking water, I suppose, right? And communities in, in the you know, Salinas Valley and the area that also use groundwater, draw their water from groundwater. So, so in these intensive agricultural areas, right?
1: So the nitrate crisis shows up. Uh, most in communities that are, are predominantly agricultural places, like Gilroy and Hollister mm-hmm. areas uh Pajaro Valley, the Salinas Valley, as we talked about, um, and then further down the central coast and like the santa maria santa Ynez basins where mm-hmm. there's you know there mm-hmm. are also um, lots of farms, but we all use. Groundwater for our drinking water in the central coast, and um, fortunately, uh, a lot of us you know don't live right next to agriculturally intensive areas. And if we live in a a city or um, you know in an urban area, we have and we pay into treatment systems that take nitrate out to safe levels, even if there are. Uh, there are nitrate sources nearby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in, in rural areas um, and in small towns, um, because nitrate treatment is pretty expensive, they might not have the technology or the resources to be able to treat that water in a cost effective way. So it's cost prohibitive, and then people mm-hmm. aren't able to take nitrate out of their drinking water. And so they're exposed to that risk of drinking water that has too much nitrate.
0: Well who who is who tracks the contamination levels? I mean, who is responsible for being sure they that they remain within allowable limits? And by the way, are allowable limits safe? We'll get to the health question, but mm-hmm. um right.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of different entities, but um the State Water Resources Control Board uh is our main water quality regulatory agency in the state. Um and then there are nine regional water boards that work with the state water board, uh, as well as our local water agencies and counties and all of these local, regional, and state agencies are in charge of protecting the safety of our drinking water, as Mm -hmm. well as our water quality in general.
0: Do they go around measuring Levels in, in, in the groundwater, I mean, is this like a regular thing that they do? or Only when someone calls up and says, hey, come test my, my water. What?
1: Uh, so, so if you live in the city and uh, you rely on water that's treated by your local right. water agency, the water agency will test mm-hmm. their water regularly mm-hmm. and know what's in the water. And um, most of the time you can look up water reports to see how much of different constituents right. and mm-hmm. if your water is safe or not. Um, and as I mentioned, for most urban users, nitrate is not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and for rural areas, um, that's where counties come in. Um, so so Monterey County or Santa Cruz County you know, might have environmental health staff that go around testing drinking water wells, but they're not uh, able to get to every single well. Um, and if you're a... Um, a rural uh, user and you have your own private well, um, the the Central Coast Regional Water Board does have resources for you to be able to call and to be able to get a free water testing kit and you can test your own well.
0: Right. But otherwise, there's no reason. I mean, no one would actually know whether to test their water or not, right? Unless unless they're keeping track of this or someone has, has alerted them to it.
1: Yeah, it, it there you know, the state water board and regional water boards do their best, but there are so many thousands of wells out right, there. Right. A lot of the wells are private domestic wells, um or just ones that even you know not not monitored and so they re, I think as a state, uh, we really are we, we don't really have a good comprehensive, you know, one stop shop system of of knowing you know, what exactly is in each and every single well. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. You're listening to Sustainability Now. I'm Ronnie Lipschitz. My guest today is Chelsea Tu, Executive Director of Monterey Waterkeeper. And we are talking about nitrate pollution in the region's groundwater, and particularly in private wells and how people find out or can find out about whether their wells are contaminated. Um, give us an idea of... What the permissible levels of nitrate com- contamination are, and you know what levels are being measured, and I mean how how are permissible levels determined? By the way,
1: um, so the the safe drinking level for nitrate is ten milligrams per liter, um, and so that's the, the safe drinking levels for different constituents like nitrate. Um, other contaminants are determined through a regulatory process and the state gathers a lot of evidence different studies and also um, invites public comments to to see how you know what is a safe drinking level what are the impacts of that level and who's at risk and so that that's how the ten milli- milligrams per liter standard was set
0: I, I, I presume that that number comes from you know laboratory tests and, and experiments right it's not it's not just pulled out of the air
1: no yeah it's based on the different data from the state and, and and also different parts of the country and different studies
0: okay and so what levels are we talking about you know in the in the groundwater
1: um so in the central coast um especially in the rural more agriculturally productive areas um we actually see levels of nitrate in drinking water that are way beyond uh, or at least approaching the 10 milligrams per liter limit. And so there are thousands of rural community members, residents of the Central Coast that um, you know, are facing that uh, threat where their drinking water um, is not safe because the, the, their wells test more than the 10 milligrams per liter.
0: So 10 milligrams is is the maximum allowed level, Mm -hmm. right? And what's, I mean, is, what's considered, I'm not sure how to put this, right? Uh Um, But if these wells are, you know, at 10 milligrams or above, they're barely higher than the permissible levels, right? So um, I'm not completely clear on why then that's a particular problem. I mean, is 10 milligrams much higher than the actual safety level, safe level? Oh, so that's I
1: should clarify that 10 milligrams per liter is this, the threshold for if your water is safe to drink or not. Mm-hmm. So if your water tests below 10 milligrams per liter in terms of nitrate levels, then it is probably safe to drink. And if it tests above 10 milligrams per liter, um then that means that your tap water uh is not safe to drink you should not use it and you should not even uh use it after boiling it
0: but does does, does that mean that that some the levels in some wells is far in excess of 10 milligrams yes um Th- that so, was what I was trying to get at you know what yeah. what are you measuring as a yeah you know, right. sort of level in contaminated wells,
1: yeah, so I'll just give you a couple of examples yeah, um of local communities that um you know where there are water tests above that and, mm-hmm. uh, limit and and that you know there are many communities, especially in the Pauro area and in um in, also in the Salinas valley, that have wells that test beyond the ten milligrams per liter threshold um so the a uh, community that comes to mind is called San Gerardo, and it's a small 350-people uh, farm worker community that's just outside of Salinas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's surrounded by agricultural fields, and the water that the San Gerardo co- cooperative was relying on was so contaminated that residents had to rely on bottled water mm. because they couldn't drink their tap water for 10 years. And right. during this time, the community actually fought <coughs> and got state and federal grants um, somewhere along the line, uh, lines of like $6 million in order to drill a deeper well, and that was their fourth well. Um, but you know, they were only able to um, drink their tap water after they got the fourth well, that's deeper and cleaner. But I mean, in recent years, they've actually seen that their well keeps their fourth well, their current well keeps testing higher and higher for nitrate levels, um, because you know, because as as we continue well. farming and putting more nitrate in, um, it, the nitrate levels are going to go up in groundwater well. the stuff percolates, well. <laughs>
0: percolates down that far, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's, that's, what, yeah, and then, that's um, the way it works. Right?
1: Um, and, and and people may have read in um, recent news, too, that there's another town called San Lucas, and it's further mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. into the Salinas Valley. It's
0: an, an oil country, I think. Uh, it's yeah.
1: it's near uh, San Ardo, where yeah, there's uh, a lot of oil drilling. Um, the town of San Lucas has a has more than 400 people, and they have not had safe drinking water for more than 12 years. Mm-hmm. So right now, this, the town of San Lucas still cannot drink their water from tap. They have to rely on bottled water, um, and residents tell me that they still have to pay $90 at least a month to, um, for, for undrinkable water. Um so so there are lots of communities in the Central Coast, you know, right right in our backyard, right, you know, our neighbors, and if not us, that you know don't have safe drinking water because of high nitrate levels. Mm-hmm. And just kind of zooming back out, um the the regional board does require in the twenty twenty one Central Coast agricultural order for growers to test on farm domestic or drinking wells. Um, and notify people if the drinking wells have too much nitrate. Um, so so because of this requirement, this this only started in 2021, um, we found out since that 38% of wells that are on-farm domestic wells, 30% of them in the Pajaro Valley uh, are not safe to drink, and 42% of on-farm drinking wells in Monterey County are undrinkable because of nitrate as well. So, uh, as you can see, the nitrate crisis is is really pervasive and it's it's widespread and and worsening. And so, what's happening, as we were talking, is that the nitrate concentrations, um, as as we continue to farm intensively um, and unsustainably, uh, overuse, uh, including you know using too much uh, nitrogen fertilizer. Uh, nitrate levels in our drinking water, especially in more rural areas, but but I think exp- expanding beyond that becomes more costly. Um, community members end up having to, you know, spend a lot of money on bottled water or um, treatment or, you know, drilling deeper wells that mm-hmm. you know hopefully don't get contaminated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the meantime, they're suffering. Health consequences from all this contamination that's growing in our region.
0: So, tell us about the health the health impacts of this contamination.
1: Yeah, there there's quite a lot. Um, so, uh, nitrate nitrate is uh, unfortunately a silent killer, as I would say. Uh, it's you can't smell it, you, you cannot see it, you can't taste it. And so, uh, it, it, most of us would not know uh, it, that we have too much nitrate in our water unless we test it for it specifically. And so, what ends up happening is uh, a lot of communities that rely on you know, high nitrate contaminated waters they don't know, and after a while, um, they might experience different health problems. So for for Um, especially in younger children. Um, As you mentioned earlier, Ronnie, um, too much nitrate in an infant system actually deprives them of oxygen. And so they... Because of a lack of oxygen, um, babies might have nausea, they might go into shock and they, they develop what's called blue baby syndrome and babies can actually where they, where the babies actually turn blue because they lack oxygen um, and and they might die from that mm-hmm. um, and so in adults, nitrate contamination can result in you know stomach issues they can result in thyroid disease they can actually cause colon cancer so all of these diseases are um correlated with the consumption of too much nitrate in your water so th- so nitrate is a pervasive problem like i was saying and, and it's it's really harmful to both children and adults
0: so you know for for the, for this these kinds of cases to show up the implication is that the contamination has been going on for quite a long time. I mean, you mentioned twelve years in, uh, in, San, Lucas. in San, La- San Lucas, right? And so um, there must have been, uh, you know, cases turning up before that. How long has this been going on?
1: In the central coast, um, nitrate contamination may. have it is a legacy problem and yeah, it's been sure. happening probably for almost as long as we have been intensively farming the central coast um and it's a it's a problem today still and i think it's it's important to recognize that even though it's a big problem it's a growing problem because we continue to overuse mm-hmm. nitrogen mm-hmm. fertilizer mm-hmm. and and there are ways to reduce that problem and hopefully be able to restore clean water clean drinking water for everyone
0: Well okay you you mentioned um earlier the state water control board quality control board is that what it is and mm-hmm. and then there is a regional water quality control board um and what does the regional quality water control board actually do right. How does it operate
1: So Uh, At both the state and the regional levels, the water boards, as we kind of call them all together, um, because I know it's (laughs) mouthful to to say all of the agencies by their full name, so we just typically say the water boards. They work together, um, and they're in charge of implementing and enforcing California's as well as federal clean water laws. Um, They're also in charge of coming up with policies to protect and restore water quality in our state for both surface and for, for groundwater. Um, and sometimes those are interconnected. Um, the water boards also um, see oversee water rights for all kinds of water users, mm-hmm. from industrial to agricultural, uh, drinking water users, and, and also water for the environment. Um, so it's quite a complex regulatory system, um, but the water boards have a very important job because they're essentially the main governmental entity that manages surface uh and groundwater that, you know, water that sustains all of us.
0: When when were these boards established? Did you know uh, how long they've been in existence? I'm just
1: I don't know the exact date, but they've been around for a long time, yeah. Yeah,
0: well, you know, for you a long time is a lot a lot less time <laughs> than it is for me. You're listening to Sustainability Now. I'm your host, Ronnie Lipschitz, and my guest today is Chelsea Tu, Executive Director of Monterey Waterkeeper, and we're talking about nitrate contamination in the region's groundwater. Chelsea's just been explaining to us what the regional and state water quality control boards, that's a mouthful, actually do. Well, let's turn to the case of the lawsuit now, all right? Now, as I understand the story... Uh, in 2021, the Regional Water Quality Control Board approved an order which set limits on fertilizer use by by farmers in its jurisdictional region. Now, how did that regulation and decision come about?
1: Well, I'll take you back to 2004, when the <laughs> Central Coast Regional Water Board first for the first time, uh, adopted its first agricultural order. Um, but I think unlike what we typically think of regulation, this 2004 first, first version of the Central Coast Ag Order and also the two orders after that um, didn't impose limits on how much fertilizer farmers could use or how much they could pollute the waters with nitrate. Um, so those waters, the, those kind of earlier waters primarily required farmers to just gather information about how much nitrogen fertilizer they're using or or applying on their lands. Um,
0: uh, quick question. I assume that they were already aware, the, the board was already aware of nitrate contamination. Yes, they were. They were not just asking for this data, these data out of the blue, right? They, so I
1: think they... They were aware of the issue. Um, they wanted to gather more information. Yeah, sure. And, and yeah. so that's how the first four versions of the order came about. Um, so the 2021 Central Coast Agricultural Order, or what we call um, Ag 4.0 for sure, is you know fourth version. Um, and, uh, and for the first time in the region and for the entire st- state really set enforceable limits on um, not just how much... Fertilizer for nitrogen, fertilizer farmers can apply on their fields, or uh, but also how much can run off from their fields into the water system, you know, whether it's surface or groundwater. So, actually, set limits on fertilizer use and fertilizer discharge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, basically, if a farmer consistently went over these limits on use and discharge. Um, the enforceable limits means that the regional board can first, you know, provide education, but eventually, do well, what we call progressive enforcement, and, and can eventually fine the farmers that continue to violate the limits. Um, and then I'll just say um, one more detail, which is that the limits that the 2021 um, order or Act 4.0 um, established are actually are actually really. Generous in the beginning, in a way that almost everyone can meet them when they first come into um, effect, and then over time these limits are ratcheted down hmm. over the course of thirty years. Um, so, so from 2021, that would mean 2051, um, where everyone by 2051 needs to meet a limit of 50, 50 pounds. Per acre per year, um, and not discharge more than that into the waters. Hmm.
0: What What are the size of the fines that, uh, that would be imposed if by you know on violators?
1: I have seen fines that the regional board has issued um, on different issues and on uh, lack of reporting and, and Act mm-hmm. Four Point to be in the, the range of thousands of dollars, and um, I, I think that. Uh, from what what I've seen um, paying attention to board meetings um, the staff really do um, work with local um, farmers or farm representatives to, um, to notify individual farmers if they're um, you know not reporting or non compliance of the water and and after several attempts they they might issue the fine so that that the fines are really um, used as a last resort uh, after everything else fails
0: we're talking here basically about big farms right um i maybe a, a few statistics could be in order and i actually happen to know something about this there are something like 4 or 5000 farms in That's Monterey right. County right um, half of those farms, I believe, are 50 acres or less, small farmers. Um, and the, the median size of the large farms is around 1,000 acres. But, you know, there are only a few hundred of those, um, right? Most of the farms are, are much smaller. That, and,
1: that's right, yeah. The- but I assume
0: it's the, the larger farms that are the most egregious violators, or is that wrong? Do you know? Okay. I don't know. If you could, you could yeah, say I, I don't know.
1: I I don't know, but I imagine that if larger farms are um, over applying nitrogen per acre, and then there's lots of acres for the larger farms, and that yeah. means that amount of nitrogen or nitrate they're discharging would be significant.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. only I'm only as, asking about this because you know if the fines are in the range of thousands of dollars, and these are really big operations and we see this in other sectors sometimes it's easier to pay the fines than to correct the problem you know given the income levels and and agriculture is a big industry especially in monterey county it's mm-hmm. something like 4 or 5 billion dollars a year yeah um so you know i i don't i was just curious what you know what what the size of this was yeah. so anyway um so uh, who was behind first of all who who was behind the ag 4.0 and who was uh, opposing it i mean what kind of there must have been opposition to it
1: yeah um so so ag 4.0 evolved from the previous ag waters that i mm-hmm. mentioned um that were mainly education and reporting based um and interestingly Monterey Waterkeeper back when we were called Monterey Coastkeeper um had to sue the regional board um in one of its earlier versions of the order in order to establish um, a requirement under the law for the regional board to set the limits in this current version of the order, the 4.0 version. So it's it's taken a lot uh, of years of really watchdogging and working with the regional board staff and board members and and, then you know at times as I mentioned uh, when necessary to sue to to make make progress um, and eventually set up limits Um, so while We appreciate the regional water board for setting these enforceable standards. Um, We we don't think ultimately that they went far enough um, because as I mentioned, growers have a really long time to continue to worsen the nitrate crisis that's facing our region today um, because they don't have to ratchet down the pollution that they discharge into our waters until, you know, uh, for thirty years, right, so, right. Um, and and that's important to know because water doesn't just clean itself up, you know, through rainfall or recharge, instantly. Uh, after um, people stop polluting the water, and and you know, hopefully, thirty years from now, that would still, you know, or or fewer years than that, it would still take uh, a multiple decades for groundwater to recharge and for our water to be restored to uh, safe drinking levels again. Um, and so, so we're really ultimately looking at uh, like a 100 years. For groundwater in parts of Pajaro and Salinas Valley that are worse hit by the nitrate crisis to be cleaned up, and so mm. families can have mm. safe drinking water again
0: mm. i'm curious i, I mean i want to get get up get to this you know again the reason for the lawsuit, but I'm curious, is it possible to pump up groundwater and treat it and then reinject it I mean, I know this is a big job, big big thing, but um uh is it possible to do that i mean can you actually you know you mentioned in cities there's treatment for for nitrate uh contamination mm-hmm. um and does that actually remove the nitrates i mean it it so so chemically you can actually get the stuff out of the water
1: right yeah so um a lot of treatment systems use reverse osmosis to huh, be able uh-huh. to effectively treat nitrate well, that's um, some expensive. systems blend water yeah um or you know they might blend water that's cleaner from one well with water from another well that has more nitrate or they might talk to other um sister agencies and try to um get water that's cleaner to blend with their own mm-hmm. more nitrate mm-hmm. contaminated water. So there's a number mm-hmm. of ways that agencies do that.
0: But if we go back yeah. to San Lucas, basically they're they're up a creek on this, right? Um unless they unless they can somehow in you know and people with with individual wells. I mean there there's nothing they can do uh, by themselves, right?
1: Uh for so for smaller towns like San Lucas, um Luckily, uh, the state water board and the regional water board have been working hard uh, to see what a good solution could be. Uh, so they are thinking about connecting the town of San Lucas to King City. They're thinking about potentially reverse osmosis or other treatment system right in San Lucas. And, and both are going to be very expensive. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think they've arrived at a solution yet, and studies are still being done. And uh, But as we're talking about this, it's been 12 years since the residents have had safe tap water. And so, um, you know, there are solutions that um, the people are trying to figure out, but every day that the solutions don't come is too late for the residents that need clean drinking water today.
0: Okay. In September 2023, the State Water Quality Control Board overturned Ag 4.0, right? Why did it, why did they do that? What was the the reason for that, or did someone get to them?
1: Well, so right after the the regional water board adopted their order at the regional board level in 2021, Monterey Waterkeeper, San Gerardo, as I mentioned before, um, and other groups, we actually appealed the regional board's. Act 4.0, we asked the State Water Board in the appeal to strengthen the water. um, Mm. And then on the other hand, representatives of various farmers also appealed the 2021 regional border to state board, asking the state board to take away the nitrate limits that the regional board created. Um, So ultimately the state board unfortunately, removed these nitrate limits and, and what's left is is uh, vague and unenforceable nitrate reduction targets in place.
0: Uh-huh. what what was the reasoning their reasoning in terms of, of overturning?
1: Unfortunately, the state water board ignored evidence from the regional water board you know the years of data that they gathered through the previous versions of the water. Um and then the regional water board the uh, uh, the data showing that a lot of farmers overuse fertilizer yeah. um you know well beyond the recommended um lim- uh, the recommended amounts mm-hmm. while still allowing crops to be productive um and then they the state board also ignored the central coast conclusion basically saying that the previous orders that were based on education and reporting they they didn't work. They didn't improve water quality. Well, sure. um, what the state board did was that they relied on another agricultural order from 2018 um, that um, was meant for the Central Valley. They they pointed to the other order, saying that they would need to convene an, ex, an agricultural expert panel before moving forward with what they thought you know were new regulatory mechanisms to reduce um, to reduce nitrate and and what they're talking about is the nitrate limits that the Central Coast set up for the first time Um, and we don't agree with the State Water Board's interpretation of course but um, that's what they relied on um, uh, is a different order saying that they need to have an agricultural uh, expert panel review existing data and then you know take their time in making a state water board decision on it.
0: Mm-hmm. You're listening to Sustainability Now. I'm your host, Ronnie Lipschitz, and my guest today is Chelsea Tu, Executive Director of Monterey Waterkeeper. We're talking about the problem of nitrate contamination in Central Coast groundwater and a couple of recent decisions that have basically overturned limits on uh, use of, application of nitrogen fertilizer in the Central Coast region um, so you know so a lawsuit has been filed against the the state Water Quality Control Board. Tell us about the lawsuit, who has filed it, what the arguments are
1: so uh, so a month after the September decision by the State Water Board to take away the nitrate limits um, from Act 4.0, uh, Monterey Waterkeeper filed a lawsuit along with uh, other groups, uh, environmental justice groups, um, Senrado a cooperative, as well as groups representing different fishing and environmental protection interests um, across the state. And so our main goal in this lawsuit is to, to maintain or reinstate the nitrate limits uh, that the Central Coast um, created. Um, because as I mentioned before, the Central Coast Water Board has already found that the water won't be effective unless there are limits. Um, and the limits are the essentially the only way uh, to restore safe drinking water and also clean up uh, our rivers. And so this lawsuit is really important because it will bring back nitrate limits not only for the central coast, but also could set up precedent for other regions to follow suit and create nitrate limits as well. So Mm. it's not only important um, for our region, but it's also significant for the entire state. Um, And if I could say... Yeah, um, please. Another goal of the lawsuit is that we want to make sure that the regional board also require farmers to maintain uh, vegetative buffer zones between farms and nearby surface waters. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we call these riparian buffers. Right. And these buffers are really important because it actually allows nature to do its job uh, to be able to filter nitrate, um, pesticides, and other contaminants from farms um, before they reach uh, important surface waters like rivers and wetlands, so that you know, these contaminants don't end up killing more aquatic life that you know is so important to the central coast. Um, so, so the lawsuit really, you know, set to hopefully be able to protect not only our groundwater but our surface water as well. Um, and I, I'll just say that. Um, you know, I have deep respect for farmers, and I'm really grateful for the hard work and the fresh produce they provide for everyone. But just given what we've been talking about, you know so many operations continuing to overuse fertilizer today, um, you know, building on legacy nitrate contamination, and the fact that the nitrate crisis is worsening and it could f- affect everyone mm-hmm. if, if we don't curb it now, um, so I think it's so essential that farmers reduce their pollution before this crisis really impacts every single person on the Central Coast. And, and, and that's why, ultimately, we decided to bring the lawsuit and hopefully, um, really, you know, hopefully, you know, send a message to the state water boards and and growers that it's important to protect our waters and protect Mm -hmm. the health of everyone here Mm -hmm. on the Central Coast. Mm
0: -hmm. So um, how can our listeners learn more about the problem and uh, volunteer to help you?
1: Well, we post all of the information about the Ag Water, uh, our work on it, including the lawsuit on our website, um, as well as information about our advocacy work, um, other advocacy work, um, and outdoor education work. Uh, so um, listeners can visit www.montereywaterkeeper.org mm-hmm. slash announcements to find out more information um, and um, check out what we've been up to. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as well, we're all, always looking for bright ideas, uh, enthusiastic volunteers, donors, and just um, fellow water warriors or people who love the water and so um, if you like um, you can donate or sign up to volunteer with us on our website as well um, and you can always reach out to me personally at chelsea at montereywaterkeeper.org
0: Chelsea thank you so much for being my guest on Sustainability Now
1: Thank you for having me
0: if you'd like to listen to previous shows, you can find them at ksquid.org sustainabilitynow as well as Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts, among other podcast sites. So thanks for listening, and thanks to all the staff and volunteers who make Squid your community radio station and keep it going. And so, until next every other Sunday, sustainability now.
1: Seas, and winds blowing through breathing trees